Having said all that, I'm excited to look at week two of our series, Alive. We're looking at the events of Jesus after he was resurrected. What did he do while he was still on the earth between the time that he resurrected and the time that he ascended to heaven? We're looking at that. Now, for Christians, our relationship with Jesus is a very personal thing. It's intimate. It's between us and it's between him, and that's natural. And because it's so intimate, because it's so personal, we guard it as the precious and the important thing that it is. But the problem is that we oftentimes become closed off in that relationship. We want to protect it so much that we just keep it between us and Jesus, when in fact we've been called to share who Jesus is to us in our lives so that other people can experience that type of relationship with him as well. And so as Christians, we're not supposed to just seek Jesus, and we're not just supposed to find Jesus, but we're supposed to share Jesus as well. And so today we look exactly at that. How do we seek Jesus and how do we share Jesus? We're going to be in John chapter 20. We're looking at verses 11 through 18. This is when Mary Magdalene is standing outside the tomb, and this is what it says. It says, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look in the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? She replied, they have taken my Lord away and I don't know where they put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And he asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary, All he had to do was call her by name, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. The first thing that we learn from this story is that seeking Jesus is about consistency and desire. You see, Mary Magdalene is a shining example of what it takes to be a follower of Jesus. She's a shining example of what it takes and and what it looks like to desire Jesus. From the time that she encountered Jesus to the moment that he changed her life, she was devoted, attentive, and determined to be affected by Christ. That's all that she wanted out of life. And she found life through him, a lot like what we talked about last week. Having a relationship with Jesus isn't just about being forgiven, right? It's about finding life. She was able to do that. And she continued her devotion, not only in his life, but also in his death. She was at the crucifixion. We're told in Matthew 27, 55 and 56, many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and mother, and the mother of the Zebedee's sons. So here's the thing. I want us to picture this for just a moment. This is the time where Jesus had been arrested, right? He's being led off to his death. He's being brought before all the rulers and all the people, and and it's asked, do you want to free Jesus or do you want to free this criminal? And they say, free the criminal, crucify Jesus. And during all this time, his male disciples are scattering. They're running away. They're terrified. What if this happens to me? What if I'm arrested? What if I'm crucified? 
right? This isn't who we thought Jesus was. We thought he was going to be a conqueror, and here he is being beaten and, and spit upon and, and led to his death. And this group of women, they follow him from Galilee to make sure that in between this time, but, but while he's being beaten, while he's imprisoned and his death, they can care for any needs that might arise. And Mary was a part of that group. And she stayed, away, uh, uh, she stayed around after <coughs> his crucifixion. And in the passage that we just read today, she's the last one left at the tomb. She's still there. As I said, the rest of the disciples had scattered. Everyone else had left. It's just her. And she's standing at the tomb. And, and it was the end for them. The disciples had gone. It was the end. This was Jesus. This was supposed to be the Messiah. They just hadn't understand exactly how he was going to save them. And, and this wasn't what they expected. And so they, they'd gone. They've been defeated. They thought Jesus had been defeated. And, and in the sense, it was an end for her because she didn't realize that Jesus was going to rise again, obviously, or she would have been cool as a cucumber, right? Oh, Jesus is coming back in three days. I'm good. I know what happens. She didn't realize that. She didn't know that that was happening. And so she didn't see the resurrection coming, but she continued to pursue Jesus. And we learned some valuable lessons from Mary in this instance. The first is to not let your circumstances affect your pursuit and desire for Jesus. I made a similar point a few series ago. I don't know how long ago, so this isn't new information, right? But she wouldn't let her circumstances affect her pursuit of Jesus, her desire for Jesus, her want to be near Jesus. One of the biggest mistakes that we make as Christians is letting the ebb and flow of life dictate our relationship with Jesus. Things are going really well. Things are going really well, and so I'm all in on Jesus. Or maybe it's the opposite. Things are going really well, and so now I've forgotten all about Jesus. Right? Now things are going really bad, and Jesus hates me. Jesus isn't with me. Jesus is punishing me for something I did wrong, right? Jesus isn't here. Or that's when we focus all of our attention on Jesus. Things aren't going well now, Lord. I, I need you. And Mary's not about that. She's there no matter what. As the kids say these days, she's ride or die. She's going nowhere. She is right next to him. She is by his side. She wants Jesus. And we can't be ones to make that mistake, to, to somehow see the condition of how our lives are going, to let our emotions affect our connection to Christ. To say, well, I'm feeling really good about things right now, so me and God, we're good. Or now I'm not feeling so great about things, and things are going bad, and so God must not love me right now, or he must be punishing me right now. And we do this all the time. We do. It's natural. It's part of our human sinful condition but we're not supposed to. When we're high, when we're on that high, when we're on that mountain, we're on fire, right? We're on fire. We just feel like we're unstoppable. But when it's low, we're struggling. She also teaches us that true love for Christ demands that we abide in love. Abide, to stay with, to continue to be in. See, all seems lost. She's lost her loved one. Most others have abandoned him. They're scattered. They're hiding. 
This has to be a time for all of his disciples where they feel so very incredibly alone. Leading up to this point, they had built this family, this family of believers, and they were strong. And then they lose their father. They lose their leader. They lose their teacher. And everything starts to crumble. But she remains steadfast. She shows us what it looks like to abide in love, even though she's heartbroken. And we see that based on her reaction. She's broken at the tomb. She's crying so incredibly hard right now. She's distraught. So distraught that she doesn't even recognize Jesus when he first speaks to her. She just wants to know where they took her Savior. Where did you take my Jesus? Why is he not here? Where have you taken him? I just want to find him. I just want to be near him. Even though all hope seemed lost, even though it seemed like he was dead, she still needed and longed for that connection. And it's in this time that we learn something very important about Jesus, something that should be very precious to us while she's losing it and she is lost. She sees these people she doesn't know and her Savior is missing. Understand, since the moment she met Jesus, this is the farthest that she has felt from him. This is the greatest amount of distance for her. And she feels like he is nowhere near her. And she feels like she is separated. And she feels like she is lost, except for the fact that she is not. Except for the fact that while she is at her lowest low, Jesus is standing right there with her. Jesus is right there with her. So often we feel like Jesus has abandoned us or we have lost Jesus because we just don't feel his presence. But I'm here to tell you something that should encourage you but also sting you a little bit. You have lost Jesus. You're the one who lost him. He didn't lose you. He didn't turn his back on you. In fact, Jesus draws near to us at our worst times. The reason that you feel like Jesus is not there is because you haven't opened your eyes to see him, because you haven't truly looked for him. You see, Mary's at the tomb and Jesus is right there and he talks to her, woman, who are you looking for? And it's kind of one of those things, like I don't know that that's what Jesus is doing because I know that he sees that she's distraught. I know that he has a heart for her. I know that he doesn't want her to feel this way, but it's kind of like one of those things where he's like, hey woman, what are you looking for? Right here. And she just completely, I imagine that there's so many tears. You know how when you're crying real hard, you just can't make anything out. Everything's blurry. I'm imagining that she's in that position. And it's almost as if Christ, recognizing that she wasn't able to see that it was him, knew that if he just called her by name, she would realize that he was still present. So all he says is Mary. And it clicks. That's Jesus. He's been here this whole time. Christ is calling out to you every day, all the time. Not just when things are bad, but also when things are good because he wants to have 
a relationship with you. And if you aren't seeing him, if you feel like you're lost, you need to know it's not because he's not present. Frankly, it's because you have lost sight of him. Even when we lose sight of Jesus, he is still very much present. Mary's response was appropriate. She'd lost the most important relationship in her life. And losing contact with Jesus is a reason to weep. It absolutely is. But we have to know. We have to cling to. We have to understand that just because we've lost contact with him doesn't mean that he himself isn't present. When we lose Jesus, we lose him, not the other way around. He is right there with you, arms open wide. And I believe that because of his next words to Mary. The one thing that we need to know, okay, we're going to look at something else first. It's Matthew 28, 20. It says this. It says that he's teaching them to observe all that they command you. But then he goes on to say this, and behold, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I'm with you always. This is Jesus. This is promise keeper. This is the man who said that after three days he would rise and did. And he's making a promise here. This is right before he ascends to heaven. You need to understand, even though you will no longer visibly see me, I am with you always to the very end of the age. I am going nowhere. I am present. See, seeking Jesus isn't about circumstance. It isn't about our feelings. It's about consistency. It's about our drive. It's about love. And it's about determination. And so while Mary is seeking Jesus, just wanting to find him, not knowing that he's there, and he calls out her name, she wraps herself around him. She embraces him. I'm assuming in a tight squeeze because seeking Jesus is about finding Jesus. In Mark 7, 7 through 8, it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus calls out to her and Mary opens her eyes to his presence. Rabboni. And the reason I say that she embraces him, that she wraps him up in a hug, that she's squeezing tight and not ready to let go is because he says, hey, don't hold on to me now. Don't hold on to me now because I'm still present with you. I haven't yet ascended to the Father. I'm going to. But we have work to do. You must go and tell my brothers that I am here. Because when we seek Jesus, we will find Jesus. But Jesus comes to us not just to have that relationship with us, but that so we can help others find Jesus as well. We seek Jesus. We find Jesus. We must share Jesus. That is the gospel. That is what it is about. It's about letting every single person know who may not know that Jesus loves them, that forgiveness can be found, but more importantly, that there is life to be had. There is life to be had that can only be experienced through Jesus. And so Mary's hugging him and he just says, hey, don't hold on to me for right now. We've got so much left to do. You've got to go tell my brothers. We're going to meet. We're going to get things rolling. 
we're going to continue our ministry. These words express Jesus' expectations for us once we find him. You know, there's this post-resurrection switch that happens with Jesus early in his ministry while he's trying to build a foundation and while he's trying to spread the gospel as far as he can and while he's trying to, to let people know that this promise that had been given to them from their ancestors, which we call the Old Testament, but to them would have been the Bible, right? Would have been like their book. This promise that is made for the Messiah, it's me, I'm here. And early on in that ministry, when he performs miracles, when he changes lives, when he's doing all these things, he tells people, hey, go forward, don't tell anyone, right? Go for, don't tell anyone what you've seen today. Because he's trying to build that firm foundation before he knows what's going to happen at the end, right? Jesus was born to die. I fully believe that he understood when he started his ministry, what his ministry would end with. And so he's trying to, to slow that process down, not because he's afraid of it, not because he doesn't want to do it, but because he's trying to make sure that the reach is as far and as wide as possible before that comes to fruition. So that when it comes time to spread that word, to spread that message, that forgiveness has come, that there is life, that sin no longer means death, there's as many workers for the harvest as possible. But after, after his resurrection, he, he changes everything. The information goes from go and tell no one to after the mission that he had is accomplished. The mission becomes sin is paid for. That debt is paid for. Death is defeated. We've got to go and we've got to tell. And we're going to talk about this when we look at Matthew because we, we're going to look at the Great Commission. It's the greatest passage. I, I say that a lot. I just feel there's so many great pieces of Scripture. It's one of the greatest pieces of Scripture that there is. It's the Great Commission. Huh? Look at that. They titled it well. Where Jesus is, is giving us our mission. He's telling his disciples what it is that they're supposed to do. Go to all nations, baptize, make disciples, spread the kingdom, make this family bigger. And so after his death, it changes to, let's get to work. Don't hold on to me. I am with you. Go and tell my brothers, because we have work to do. Seek Jesus, find Jesus, share Jesus, we can't keep this relationship to ourselves. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. God, we ask that you give to us what we need, that you help us to be able to prioritize what is important in life, and that's seeking you, and that's finding you, and that is sharing you. Help us to be light in the darkness. Help us to be people who focus on our relationship and curate that relationship with the purpose in mind that we're going to help others to come into that same type of relationship with you. Because at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. 
to be a follower of Jesus, to be a brother and a sister of Christ, to receive the inheritance that is promised to us, which is eternal life. You made yourself alive after your crucifixion for that very purpose so that we might have life. Lord, all we want to do is be givers of life. So lead our steps and guide us on the path to make sure that this is what takes place. We ask these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. I'm going to stand right here down front, turn my mic off. I'm going to mask up. If you need to pray for any reason, come pray with me, please. There's no reason to, to go through anything that you're going through alone. We were meant to share burdens. If you want to talk about having a relationship with Jesus, about finding life in Jesus, and you recognize that you don't have that relationship, that you couldn't call yourself a Christian in good faith, come talk to me. It's the most important conversation you could ever possibly have. If you're not a member of Crosspoint and you want to be a member of Crosspoint, you can let me know that right after service and we'll talk to you about the next steps. Otherwise, let's just stand and let's worship Jesus because he deserves it. <laughs>